Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody. Welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host here in Studio A, and I'm here with the host, Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. That's right. Oh, Ready to go. You are ready to go. That's right. So, uh, man, wow. You know, we start this out every week, and there's always exciting stuff. I I bet, like, you guys are like, oh, Ryan's excited again. Yeah, I'm excited. You know why? Because Hanukkah's coming up. I'm excited about Hanukkah. Um, we have some services coming up. I just want to give you guys some dates and time. So uh, whether you're local here uh, and you can come or you want to live stream, I can tell you about that. So Hanukkah begins uh, on the evening at sundown on the 22nd. So we'll be lighting the first candles on the evening of the 22nd. So the sun goes down and that begins at Kislev. And it's celebrated for eight nights, 20. not eight days. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so on the 22nd, we begin uh, in the evening, lighting the first candle, and then, yes, eight nights of celebration. And so here at uh, Beit Tehillah, we have our first celebration service uh, on Monday night from 7 to 9. That's our normally scheduled service, so it'll be a Hanukkah celebration there. Um, and then we have our, uh, our Shabbat service, normally scheduled at 11 a.m. It will be a Hanukkah celebration service. Um, and then we also have, uh, on Sunday evening, we have Howie and Alin for New Moon, and that'll also be a, a Hanukkah celebration service. Now, this coming Shabbat, which is the 28th, uh, our, is, like I mentioned before, a Hanukkah celebration service. We also have our Oneg that day, which is our community meal. Um, so if you got to get your name on the list or, or get some tickets or whatever for that, if you're a first-time visitor, then guess what? It's on me. That's right. I'll get you tickets, and don't let anybody tell you they were free, because they're from me. No, they're from the church. Okay, whatever you say. So uh, the other thing is, some of you guys who are listening, you may be you know, coming um, from a normal church background, and you're like, okay, I get it. I get Leviticus 23. I understand the Feast of the Lord, the Moedim, the appointed times. But like, what's up with Hanukkah? What's the story here? So I'm glad you asked, because we're going to have a whole two Shabbat services dedicated to answering that question for you. And so I encourage you to live stream our service on uh, Shabbat the 28th. And then again, um, I believe on the next following Shabbat, you're going to do... Well, yeah, the 14th, uh, this next Shabbat, I'll be sharing sharing on the historical significance of Hanukkah. Then on the 21st, I will be sharing on the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. So that's the lowdown. So once again, Hanukkah doesn't take the place of Christmas. We're not getting into any of that, but uh, there is a historical and prophetic significance of Hanukkah, and we will lay it out for you. You'll find it very, very interesting. I'm even going to throw in the book of Haggai. So get ready, because this is outstanding. Yeah, no, for sure. So again, those are the 14th and the 21st of the next two Shabbats. Uh, Pastor Nick is going to be teaching. Uh, His message will be the first one on the historical significance of Hanukkah and the on the 21st it'll be about the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. It's very relevant to to believers in Messiah. Uh, so I would tune in for that um, as well. All right, what else was I going to do? Okay, some interesting things about podcast stats. So check this out, all right? Believe it or not, 
Um, Mr. Hanuk Young, uh, who is our, our tour guide from Israel. He's been uh, on the podcast a couple times. He's been here to our, uh, visit our congregation several times. He has now become uh, the top-ranked listen-to podcast that we have on, on our, our lineup. So uh, obviously the, the most listened-to of all time is episode one. Uh, which is what I think everybody goes to. They go and listen to one, like a recent one, and then they go back and they listen. Hey, who are these guys? What's this all about? What are they talking about? They go back and listen to the first one. We probably should redo that at some point, right? And we have no control over it. I have no control over it. But it's just okay. It's all good. So, um, so, but it used to be Eve Harrow. When Eve Harrow came on, man, she uh, she's a celebrity in her own right, That's I think. That's right. She's a rock star. She is a rock star. But, uh, but he, yeah, he's edged her out uh, for listens. But here's, here's what's even more interesting, right? So um, if I look at the top podcast, I see the first one being episode one, which was on Simcot Torah. We did kind of the Genesis 1-1 and just an explanation of kind of what we believe. And so we talked about, you know, basically the concept of Christians with Torah, although we weren't calling it Christians with Torah back then. Then we've got our brother Hanok, right, uh, who is a Jewish believer in the two houses. And then we have Eve Harrow, who is uh, fantastic. But she, you know, I don't know that she quite understands the whole two house things, like who we are. Oh no, she's a, she's a tour guide. She's also a tour guide. That's right. She's married to a doctor. She's very renowned. Yeah, uh, and she's an activist. So, but here's the interesting thing. Right after those two interviews, so you see the two houses coming together right here, right? So you see Christians we, we getting do. Torah in episode we one. We literally see it happening. You see, uh, Jews and Gentiles coming together right here, and but then guess what? The next most popular podcast is. On the lineup of all time. Guess. Can you guess? Can you guess? Can you guess? Can you I know guess? the answer. Oh, you already know the answer. The answer for those of you that are just like on the edge of your seat, like, tell me, Ryan, please tell me. Listen, these listens, we're talking within four listens of each other, okay, is Vayigash. And he approached. Judah approaches Joseph. Judah approaches Joseph. Now, I didn't... Which is already happening here. Uh, listen, it's I... It's going down. I don't, like, promote these podcasts any more than I promote another there's no rhyme or reason here other than to just show you that that people are listening to some important stuff. I just I'm I'm impressed. I think it's cool. No doubt that uh God is in control here of uh of who listens to the podcast, who gets this message and whatnot. And so with that being said, um, you know, I want to give uh you know one of our top listeners, Mr. Lester Gonzalez, a shout out. He's in Puerto Rico. Uh the nations are coming back, folks. That's right. Even people from Puerto Rico. Uh, and so Lester, That's right. we miss you. We love you. He comes back and forth between Puerto Rico and here to Brandon. And, uh, and we just, he'll be with us for uh, Hanukkah. That's right. He'll be with us for Hanukkah. So that's cool. So anyways, whew, I don't know that that gets me all riled up. I'm, I get excited, but we're going to numbers, numbers. Don't lie. No, well, I mean, three famous words. I don't know. I'm in the financial services. They can make it say whatever they want. Well, I'm just saying <laughs> they're true numbers. Yes. True numbers. True don't numbers. Lie. Don't lie. True numbers. Don't yeah. lie. So <laughs> whatever that Thanks. is, you're welcome. Um, all right, so we are studying the Torah portion this week, as usual, and uh, we are studying the Torah portion, Vaishlak, which means, and he sent. Uh, this starts in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 3 and ends in chapter 36 and verse 43. Interesting stuff. So let me just lay out the, uh, the beginning of the story for you. Uh, it's Jacob prepares to meet Esau. So simply put, Esau wanted to kill Jacob because, you know, he gave him his birthright for some soup. He stole the blessing, and he says, hey, when dad dies, when Abba dies, I'm going to kill you. 
Well, the mother hears it, Rebecca, and she's got to send, of course, Jacob on his way to be with her family because she did not want Jacob to marry any women of the land of Canaan. And so he's going to send her away to find uh, somebody he can be equally yoked with, not unequally yoked with. And then he said, and then she's basically saying, and then I'll call you back and it'll be fine. You know, but once again, 20 years have passed since Jacob has left his home. So think about it, uh, ever how old they were when they, when they left, because they were twins, born around the same time. Esau came out first, then Jacob, but we're not going to get into the age of them right now. But the bottom line is that 20 years have passed, and now Jacob is coming back, okay? Now, God put it on his heart, and he knew, after 14 years of serving for the two daughters, Leah and Rachel, he had six more years to serve Laban to build up his own flocks and his own wealth. We would call that his 401k plan. Ooh. Or we can call it the 777 plan. So he is building up some wealth and some things so he can go back <laughs> down to the land. But God didn't put it on his heart. It didn't even really come to mind until after Joseph was born. Mm. So the house of Joseph. Keep that in mind, you know, as we move forward. So once again, we are having uh, this incredible family reunion. Jacob prepares to meet Esau. Now, <laughs> Jacob told his messengers to tell his brother Esau, hey, that I may find grace in thy sight. Uh, Genesis chapter 32, verses 4 and 5, it says, And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau, thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and donkeys, flocks and men servants and women servants, and I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find grace in thy sight. So he's coming with this entourage, this big old package, and of course he's moving forward. Now, this is what's very interesting. Uh, when the messengers came back to tell Jacob, hey, listen, Esau is coming to meet you. Bum, bum, oh, and bum. by the way, he has 400 men with him Burr. to meet you. Now, that's quite an entourage. Oh, boy, is it? Now, what was his response? What was Jacob's response? He was greatly afraid and distressed. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? The, the last thing you heard was, hey, my brother's going to kill me. I'm going to kill you. Hopefully dad's still alive. He doesn't even know that. No, he doesn't. And is he going to be a man of his word? And dad is still alive. Dad is still alive. He doesn't detail. know that. No, he doesn't. So Jacob divided his family and all that he owned into two bands, right? Um, if Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company sh shall escape. So think about it. Two bands of people. It's like that song. Band on the run. Oh, yeah. Band on the run. That is a song. You Band know, on the run. What's interesting is he names the place where he's camping out, right? What does he name it? Mahanaim, right? Two camps. And oh, yeah. And then what does he do? He splits his team into That's two what camps. We're going to see that. We're going to see that being played out. So once again, he's going to break up his family into two parts. And of course, Jacob reminded God of the promise that was made about the seed that cannot be numbered. And of course, what is Jacob going to do? He's going to send some presents to Esau. He's going to send him, uh, uh, you know, uh, an incredible package here of 200 she-goats, 20 he-goats, uh, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 kine, 10 bulls, 20 she-donkeys, and 10 foals. I don't think it says anything about chickens. See, that's the problem with those random little buttons you push. You never get to pick what you're going to get. As you can tell on this podcast, who the antagonist is. <laughs> I'll be the protagonist on this program. Sure, sure. 
Yeah. So anyway, I bet. Yeah, they probably didn't have chickens. You know, here's what's here's what's interesting is with this with this lineup of uh, of animals that he's given. You know, uh, Jacob is trying to butter his brother up. He's trying to make sure that look, even if there's still an which inkling, is the right thing to do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I would do it. Right. So even if there's an inkling that uh, Esau is still angry at this point, uh, Jacob is like, by the time I make it to him, hopefully I will have pacified his anger. And you'll see this with everything that he does from here forward, right? So he gets the word that Esau's coming to meet him. Okay, good. That's what we wanted. Oh, but he has 400 men with him. Crap. All right, here's what we're going to do, guys. I'm going to send the gifts, but I'm going to send the gifts one by one. So that's what you kind of don't, don't necessarily realize. And it realize. says Jacob followed after the presents he had prepared for Esau. Right. So he, he sends these gifts one by one. And so it starts with the 200 goats and the 20 rams, right? Or the 20 uh, he goats. So he sends those ahead. And they say, okay, hey, that I may find grace in your sight. Well, then he sends the sheep ahead. Yeah. I mean, after it, that. It, and then he says, oh, that I might find grace in your sight. So it's it, these waves of gifts. It could have been just one big wave of life. It definitely wasn't. It was, it was seven distinct sets of, interesting. of gifts. Yeah. That's an interesting theory. For sure. You know, I mean, it could have played out like hey, that. Hey, listen, you heard it you right know, here. You know, if you imagine, uh, I mean, 200 goats is a lot. <laughs> listen, I got four and it's a lot. I'm just saying, I mean, <laughs> to, to keep, just to herd them. Oh, yeah. Right? So see, here's prosperity right here. here here's the blessings mm-hmm. that Jacob has accumulated. You know what I'm saying? Both Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were very wealthy. Remember that. You know, they were very, very wealthy and they were prosperous. And of course, you know, while Jacob sent his family over to one side of the brook and he was left alone, he wrestled a man until the breaking of day and had his thigh made out of joint, basically is what happened. The story unfolds. He was left alone. He wrestled a man until the breaking of day and had his thigh made out of joint. And in Genesis chapter 32, verses 26 to 28, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Wow. So the name Israel literally means prevailing prince and co-ruler with God. If you if you look it up, it's very interesting. No, there, in yeah. place of God, meaning you're a representative of God. So when you say a prevailing prince, right? I mean, this is what we're seeing. Co-ruler with God, you are that ambassador. You are that liaison or that you know that ambassador that they would say ambassador of Christ. Yeah. But that's what the but the name Israel means is that you are a prevailing prince. Yeah. So he he just got his name bumped up. You know, kind of like the name Abram means exalted father, which is kind of a cool position. Sure. Now, Abraham means the father of a multitude. So you can see where he's an exalted father. Look at me. Look at my position. Now he's a father to many. He's responsible. He's mature. You just think about all of the nations uh, that have come from the seed of Abraham. And so once again, as his name is changed, because Jacob's name means heel grabber or supplanter. So the connotation is kind of negative. It's not really good. Mm-mm. You know, a supplanter, a heel grabber, you know. And uh, and so his name is, of course, elevated to Israel. And a little note here, you know, the simple fact is that whenever you see the name Jacob, it's like your lower estate. When you're Israel, it's a higher estate of being. So keep that in mind because Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, which means the face of God, 
And as he passed over Penuel, he left with a limp. He did. Like the, how I pronounced that? <laughs> Denial. No, I, I really don't. Um, but I'm going to move on I from think it. I'm we've gonna... done this last year. It's Wait. coming to mind, isn't it? <laughs> so... Remember, as you're listening, everyone, <laughs> listen for the antagonist. <clears throat> listen for the protagonist. Mm. Praise God. You know, um, where was I with this? I lost my train of thought. So, so a couple of questions here. The first and foremost in verses 26 and 28, Jacob's wrestling with, uh, with it says a man, right? And Ish. So it doesn't say an Adam, it says an Ish, which uh, can mean also husband, which is another interesting piece there. But it says, does Jacob know with whom he wrestles? And so I'm wondering that, um, you know, I guess after eight hours or a whole night's worth of wrestling with him, he should he should know. It's also interesting that... Um, Looks like a theophany. Right. It says here that as day breaks, that um, the angel or God or, or, or Yeshua, right, uh, this theophany, it wants to hit the road. It's ready to hit the road. So um, maybe because it doesn't want to be seen or, or whatever, but um, we're not quite sure, but it does. It, wanna hit, it wants to hit the road. It's trying to leave. And that's when uh, Jacob hangs on to him and says, except thou bless me. Um, and so then obviously that, uh, he asks for Jacob's name. Jacob says, Jacob, and he says, your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel for you are prince and has power with God and with men and has prevailed. So here's an, another couple little things. If you study kind of the, the way Israel is, it's, it's kind of a play on words. It's, it's a, it's a, a couple different words built into one. Um, you have the word Sar, which is the prince part. You have Esau, which is, um, wrestle, right? So you have wrestling built into the word. You have Sar, which is, um, a prince. And, and in this time, Princes were, were leaders that would go to battle, right? Almost uh, generals. They were commanders of hosts. And so this whole idea of prevailing and winning, being a prince, you, you're only a prince until you lose, right? You lose a battle, there you go. So um, so, so a couple cool interesting things. And, that, and then L obviously throws in God. And so the idea is, is the idea of struggling with God, but winning. And, and we're going to get into that here. So the, the question here... Um, I had when I was reading uh, 30 and 31 when he names it Peniel and all this, and he asks for God's name. And he says, and so my question, why doesn't God tell him his name? Why doesn't the angel say my name is blank? You know, the, the mystery is it's a theophany. Right, well, that's the point. You know, and, and here's the thing I want to share with all of you. Is you take the scriptures literally, literally read it, take it literally. Why would he call the place the face of God? Yeah. Of course, and because now we, he saw we see God face-to-face. Now, face. once again, what's a theophany? For those of you that don't know, it's a divine being. It's a, yeah, and a, and a now, manifestation and, 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 of God. Uh, yeah, a manifestation of God. God can come any way he wants. Right. It says we even entertain angels unaware. So what I'm trying to submit this to, to all of you listening, to, to think about it, we know that God had lunch with Abraham and two angels. Mm-hmm. It's literal. Okay, now how he appeared and how he looked is up to him. But it says no one has seen the face of God and lives, so it can't be God. Well, he can appear as a human. He can appear whatever he wants. He came as the what? The son of man. So my thing is, uh, even in regards to, you know, even the burning bush was a form of theophany. Moses had to take his sandals off. Joseph runs into, or not Joseph, but um, Joshua runs into the theophany. Mm-hmm. He's got to take his sandals That's off. Right. You know, you don't take your sandals off for an angel. Mm-mm. So these are all things to think about. So the reason why I'm so excited about the whole theophany thing and Jacob wrestling with God is the fact that, you know, I believe that we're going to witness some theophanies ourselves. Uh, it seems historical. It seems uh, a pattern. And, you know, who knows? You know, so anyway, so, you know, the, the question, once again, is why is wrestling with God a part of our life 
and how does it increase our faith? Um, one of the things that was brought out last night as a consensus of, of one of the groups, actually wrestling with God points you in the right direction. Because we have ideas, we have our steps that we want to take, but the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Mm. So as we wrestle with God in, in the revelation to walk it out, we're wrestling and then people challenge us. <coughs> oh, did God really say that? Mm. You know, these, these five steps uh, to, to completing a vision or a dream are basically you, you have the dream or the vision. You take a leap. You, of course, begin to fight and you climb and then you arrive. Those are five stages to any successful vision or dream, whether it's business, whether it's religious. And so you can write that down. It's a dream or vision, number one. Number two, you take the leap, which is your faith. Then there's going to be a fight. You fight the good fight of faith. You begin to climb, and then you arrive. Step number five. So, uh, like I said, uh, just something to think about. Uh, you know, the, the secret things belong to God, but those things that are revealed belong to us and our children. So once again, it's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to shake your fist up to heaven and say, why, 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 Lord, what's going on here? I don't understand. And just wrestle with him, cry out to him. Right. You know, uh, I know when my kids are frustrated, they don't, you know, think about their sentences or, or you know, um, write something down methodically, you know. They just, out of emotion, and they just vent or anger or frustration and they just tell you what's going on and then you just put all that information together and try to soothe them or comfort them or give them some comfort you know and so like i said if you're wrestling with god uh, you're in the right place yeah well and wrestling with god i think is is part of being israel it's built into the word and uh the whole idea here is you know how does wrestling with god increase your faith well i think the only way uh that your faith could not be increased is if you never encountered god I think it, wrestling with God and, and, and with Him, just the encounter itself is going to leave you knowing that He is real and that He, you know, had something for you. I mean, the, the whole the And whole it's bit. personal. Right. Wrestling is personal. Oh, boy. I wrestle. There's not a team um, yeah. when you wrestle. Oh, yeah. You know, like running a race. You know, you're by yourself. So let's check out Jacob meets Esau. I'm going to have Ryan read Genesis chapter 33, verses 1 through 4. So just think about this now. Jacob's got his family divided into two parts. He's got all these gifts going out to Esau. Now they're going to finally meet. What an incredible reunion. Speaking of that, uh, I, found verses in, one through four. I found in verse 19 here, it says, And so commanded he, and this is verse 19 of chapter 32. It says, So commanded he the second and third, talking about the droves. And he says, And he sent them, In this manner shall you speak to Esau when you go, right? So he says the droves. So he sends them, you know, a separate, separate group. Good observation. Yeah, you, you, a little... you little Ryan Berean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, chapter Just 30. Change your name. Chapter 33, verses uh, 1 through 4. Here we go. It says, And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him 400 men. And he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and unto the two handmaids. And he put the handmaids and their children foremost and Leah and her children after Rachel and Joseph hindermost. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. Man. Wow. Well, that's a good reunion. Woohoo! Boy, that was a close one, wasn't it? Yeah, it's better than getting your head chopped off. Boy, that was a close one. You've ever seen the movie Jacob? It's really good. Oh. It's a really good movie, especially the scene where he's wrestling 
with God. Oh yeah. Oh, it's really. It's, it's, I think it's, you've it's played that particular clip. That I haven't clip. seen the whole movie, but I've seen you play that clip. It's, it's really good. So, so just before, of course, meeting Esau, Jacob put the handmaids and their children foremost, and Leah and her children after, and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. So the ones that he loved the most, he of course kept in the rear, in the back. Once again. So Jacob bowed down seven times in front of his family before he came near to his brother Esau. So actually, physically, uh, Jacob was humbling himself. He wasn't worshiping his brother. Remember, bowing is a form of honor. Right. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, there's all this protocol when you meet the queen of England and everything that you have to follow. It's out of honor of the position. And so, of course, you know, when Esau ran to meet Jacob, he embraced him. He fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the two brothers, they did weep together. They wept. They, they wept. So both parties. And, of course, the, the story is going to develop because of Jacob's persistence. Uh, Esau took the presents, you know. And, uh, boy, was, that's a lot of meat. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of livestock. I mean, really. There's one for one. There's, course, there's a uh, sheep or a goat for every person he brought with him. I'm telling you. So <laughs> everybody Esau, takes up the yeah, home. Yeah, well, yeah. It's a to go. <laughs> it's a to go bag. It's a to go bag. <laughs> and uh, so when Esau wanted Jacob to journey with him, uh, his excuse was that his children are tender and his livestock is with young, which is of course true. So basically, what we're seeing here, uh, and of course Esau offered to leave some of his people with Jacob, but he refused. So so Jacob wanted to make it right with his brother. Mm-hmm. But Jacob wanted to continue on in the vision and revelation of God. That's right. And that's where I always get this example. I try to share this with everyone. As you read the biblical stories, you're going to see an active part of the family. And then, of course, there's an inactive part of the family. So all of you listening to this podcast, I believe you're part of the active family. You might be the only one in your family, but it's okay because you're getting the ball rolling. Here's the thing. You yeah. are an active part of the family, meaning that you are engaging with God because who is counted as a seed in, in the book of Romans? Paul says this. Who is counted as a seed but those attaining to the promise? Come on, But somebody. what is the promise is epigelia. It means a divine assurance of good. So we know that Esau's going to go his way and Jacob's going to go his way because while Esau made his way to Seir, Jacob journeyed to Sukkot and built a house along with some booths. By the, by the way, that's a sukkah for his cattle. Temporary yeah. dwelling place. So, so that's what we have. He, he built a house along with some booths for his cattle. The booths is a sukkah, a temporary dwelling place. It's yeah. interesting how they went their separate ways. You know, what comes to mind is even in regards to uh, Jethro, the father-in-law, and Moses in the book of Exodus. Uh, said that Jethro went to his own place. And of course, we know Balak and Balaam separated and they each went to their own place. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, uh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Even Lavan, Laban, Uncle Laban says that he went back to his place. See, as we engage the church and the world, those that are redeemed, those that are not redeemed, Orthodox, all these different people, remember that you have a place. They have a place. You want to find your place. Matter of fact, it's interesting, too, because what did Yeshua say? I go to prepare a place for you. Now, a lot of people think that he's like got some hammer nails and he's building something for you. And that's fine, you know, but I I want to submit something to you. I believe what he's saying is that you're going to be in my administration. I'm preparing a place for you. You're going to be in my cabinet. Yeah. You're going to have a place with me. Because you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. That's right. And that, that all hit me just now. That's really good stuff. It is. So, so once again, 
So uh, Jacob is going to make a purchase in Shalem, a city in Shechem. In Shechem, he's going to make a purchase in Shalem, a city in Shechem. Remember, Shechem means on the shoulders of. Geographically speaking, Ryan, I've had the opportunity to be on Mount Gerizim. And I saw Mount, of course, Mount Ebal. And, of course, those are in between Shechem on the shoulders of. Right. So this is where you get, you know, the angel on one shoulder and the uh, devil on the other. The devil made me do it. I Shechem you know, what you're doing there. You yeah. see that? And so Shechem is a very <laughs> important city. So he, he got a parcel of a field from Hamar for 100 pieces of money. In the Hebrew, it mentions, of course, some livestock, lambs. So there was some kind of an exchange there. A parcel of a field from Hamar for 100 pieces of of money or lambs. Now, so you know what that is, right? What this is in, in verses 18 and 19. It's a deed. Absolutely. It is a deed. It's a deed. No, that is a deed. That is a deed. And mm -hmm. so Jacob erected an altar there and called it El Elohe Israel, which means the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting because if you look at the beginning of this chapter, 33, um, Jacob's going to meet Esau, but uh, what's going to happen here is that he was even told. I believe, to build an altar, wasn't he? When he was going to move out? Uh, he, he, yes. I think he's built more than one altar. He has, yeah. But he's told to erect an altar. And what does an altar do? It shows ownership. So if God is asking Jacob to build an altar, or if he asks anyone to build an altar, he's saying, I want to prove ownership. Yeah. And that's why the enemy would come in and build all these altars. Yeah, I think To disrupt the right. ownership. Because right. the devil doesn't want Yahweh to have ownership. Well, and, or to reflect that in the people. And when he buys this field, right, he, he's, it's almost like a dedication, because who really owns it but God, right? Um, I think where the instructions are given for him to go somewhere is when he tells him to go to Bethel <clears throat> and, um, and build an altar in Bethel, which is coming later in the portion. I mean, in, so this story is developing, you know, one, sure one wave after another. <laughs> and, of course, uh, the daughter of Leah, Dina, uh, she went out to see the daughters of the land in Genesis chapter 34. Uh, the caption is, Dina is raped. That's debatable. Uh, did she consent? Was she raped? Uh, but we're going to develop this story Defiled as we go along. Defiled nonetheless. Absolutely. So the four things that Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Heavite prince of the country, uh, did with Dina is that he actually, um, he saw her, number one. Number two, he took her. Number three, he laid with her. And number four, he defiled her or humbled her. Now, in this particular situation, Shechem's soul claved to Dina, and he loved her. He wanted his father, Hamor, to get her for his wife, okay? Now, when Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob, and the sons of Jacob heard what had happened to their sister, they were grieved and wroth, okay? Now, remember, Dina was born after Issachar, so she had all of her sons and then this daughter, and then after that, supposedly Rachel, of course, has her two children. So that, that's something that's just very interesting. So Benjamin would have been born. Uh, but anyway, uh, something to think about. So, so Joseph and Benjamin would have been born uh, supposedly after, after Dina. Now, after Hamor offered many things for Dina's hand in marriage to Jacob for his son, uh, Jacob's sons agreed to give their sister Dina away in marriage if all the men circumcised themselves. So I want to just stop here for two seconds yeah. because I think a lot of folks um, would think for you know a moment that um, obviously this is not a, an ideal situation. Uh, Hamor should not have defiled Dina, 
and put himself in a position where, according to Torah law, if he were in covenant, that he would be required to marry her, right? So now he's stuck in a position where he has to request her marriage. So he went around these things backwards, doing things backwards. Sometimes they work out well in the end. And, and Sometimes Ryan, they don't, but it's not the ideal way to do But here's the thing, let me, let me interject this. In the Torah, it says that if you lay with a woman... You have to marry her. Correct. That's a commandment. That's what I'm getting at. Now, I know, but and, and that's good, because why do I say that? Because that's a law. Right. It absolutely is. So a lot of us didn't obey that, because no. we didn't know any better. No, we didn't. And we probably would have hesitated. Right. Like I would tell my sons, listen, the Bible says, you want to fool around, that's going to be your wife, because that's a commandment. Well, and, and, and to the point where you're obligated to provide for them financially, uh, and in every, you know, in every other way. Uh, a place to live, food to eat, all, all of the above. So um, it's better to, to to pick one and do it the right way and go the right route to, to do this instead of doing it backwards. So anyways, my point here is that if he would have been circumcised, he would have entered into covenant that he would have been able to marry her. And so I think that's an important point to make because it just shows how how uh, sad the next you know events that are coming up are, are, are going to be. So once again, as we see the story developing between the parties, of course, uh, both Jacob's sons and Hamar, uh, Shechem's father, used deceit for their intentions. So let's check out this deceit in Genesis 34, 13. Here's the deceit of, of course, Jacob's sons. And I'm going to have Ryan read that. Genesis 34, 13. All right. 34, 13 says, uh, I was on the wrong page. 34, 13. And the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamar, Hamar, uh, his father deceitfully and said, because he had defiled Dina, their sister. Boom. So now they're going to make this requirement. Now, when it says that, when it says they deceitfully, that simply means they had premeditated. Right. <laughs> they have some motives. They knew ahead of time. what They, they knew ahead doing. of time what they were going to do. Okay. Now let's check out Genesis 34, 23 in regards to, um, Hamar. And of course, uh, the father of Shechem. Uh, Shechem's father. Let's check out what, what their deceit is in Genesis 34, 23. Uh, and it says here, Shall not their cattle and their substance and every beast of theirs be ours? Only let us consent unto them, and they will dwell with us. So they were thinking, wow, these guys are rich. So if we get... In yeah, we'll intermarry, we'll get everything they have. Yeah. That's like, a, like an assimilation kind of thing. Yeah. Not that, that's what Hanukkah is all about. It's not mm-hmm. about annihilation like the story of Purim. The Hanukkah story is about assimilation. Right. And, and we'll develop that story later. Maybe we'll do a Hanukkah podcast. Ooh. What do you think about Hanukkah, that, everyone? Hanukkah. Let us know if you're interested in, in hearing a Hanukkah podcast. Now, Simeon and Levi, this is what they did to all the males of the city on the third day after the men were circumcised. They slew all the males with a sword. Wow. Yikes. Now, you, you know, you're going to see some uh, a little mean streak in these kids coming up here with Joseph, but it, the, the foundation's already been, something's going on here. Simeon and Levi are going to slay all the males with a sword. And of course, the sons of Jacob took all the possessions, the children, the wives, and spoil of the city. And of course, uh, Jacob was afraid of the inhabitants of the land of Canaan for what Simeon and Levi did to all the males of the city. I mean, we're talking about, you know, uh, a genocide here almost. I mean, this is like, uh, wow. Yeah, they killed a village worth of men. I mean, you and know, then they took and, all the men. And women here's and the children. controversy, you know, with, with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <sighs> people would say that he's a genocidal, you know, maniac or whatever. But but the bottom line is, these stories play out. We see things happening. Yeah. We don't know all the storyline, but this is what we're given. No, but these guys are punished. They lose their birthright. Yeah. And... Well, Simeon and Levi, you know, and it's interesting that uh, because of this, 
Um, of course, we know Levi uh, is going to be uh, the priesthood, and they're going to have to use knives for sacrifices. Ah. So you're going to kind of channel that passion and that, that you know, you know they're going to just take that skill set. They become the community butcher house. Say, hey, you yeah. know, you're going to be the slaughterer, you know. And yeah. part of the priesthood was like the worship team. Yeah. They would sing, play instruments. So I would be on the worship team myself. <laughs> now, Bill Carter, yeah, he would be the one. Yeah. Yeah, filleting and, and ripping the furs off and stuff. Yeah. But but like I said, to each his own. I mean, somebody's er, everybody's it. needed. Everybody's needed. And all of you guys out there eating meat, you know what I mean? I don't want to hear it. All right? And now what's interesting is that because of this circumstance, once again, um, it, it, it's very simple. Um, the people feared. They, they really didn't. They, they feared. Matter of fact, doesn't it say that the people feared they, 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 they weren't going to come after them? Well, God told Jacob to go back to Bethel, dwell there, and yeah, make an altar. Yeah, he gets out of there. Yeah. So uh, Genesis chapter 35, Jacob returns to Bethel, or Bethel. And of course, once again, he says, hey, go back to, to Bethel. Go back to Bethel, which is, which is a main spot, you know. Uh, dwell there and make an altar. There we go. There's, yep. where, there's, there, there's where the altar is again. Uh, he's told to make an altar. Yeah. And once again, what does an altar do? It shows ownership. Right. And the three things that Jacob asked his household and all who were with him to do before arriving in, in Bethel was to put away the strange gods that are among you, be clean and change your garments. So with this pillage, with this spoil that they've taken or this booty, amen, they took some stuff here. Uh, there's some stuff here that they're going to have to get rid of. Well, And, and, and they act, were carrying stuff. Probably. Well, and you got to think they just took on all the women and children of a, of a pagan idolatrous you know, right. group. And with that comes, you know, strange gods. And so there might be a little learning curve for some of them. I'm not saying that there weren't strange gods among uh, Jacob's sons and their wives. Right. I'm just mentioning here that uh, it, it may also have been uh, in abundance because of the people they brought on from another town. You know, this whole assimilation thing is very interesting. Uh, so Jacob took all the strange gods and their earrings and hid them under the oak, which was by Shechem. And of course, the inhabitants of the land did not pursue Jacob and his sons, because the terror of God was upon the cities. You know, it's interesting even today that, that Israel has the IDF. You know, at one time, you know, they couldn't even bear arms. At one time, they, they went through a holocaust. Oh, man. And, and look at the atrocities. Yep. And now, they're the only democracy in the Middle East. That's right. Is Israel. And in case you haven't noticed or you even know, Voice of the Martyrs, uh, as far as Christianity goes, there's, Christianity is being pushed out of the Middle East. It really, really is. I don't know how many countries are outlawing the Bible or evangelism or anything like that, but I'm telling you right now, uh, the Middle East is pushing out Christianity. Uh, even in, in Egypt, the Coptic Christians are, are being pushed out. Uh, Bethlehem, even in Israel, Christians are being pushed out. And we can see this. I've, I've actually talked with some people that were forced to close their businesses and everything and move to Jerusalem because they were being uh, so persecuted. Uh, and of course, once again, the inhabitants of the land did not pursue Jacob and his sons because the terror of God was upon the cities. Like, don't mess with this family, you know. Right. Um, and people love these mafia documentaries and mafia shows. I mean, this is like, you know, you know, you don't you don't mess with the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Stay away from them. I'm telling you now. Here, pet my kitty. I mean, you know, think about it, guys. So Jacob built an altar and called the place El Bethel, which means the God of Bethel. So he's really, you know, Jacob's had a lot of fear. Now his kids do this stuff. Oh, yeah. His daughter gets raped. I mean, he's like, man, you know, he's worried. So he's going to try to do what he can do to make it right with God. And he says the God of Bethel. 
And listen, you know, this is what comes to my mind, everyone, as you see certain patterns in, in our lives or even in our biblical family here. Think about where were the two golden calves set up by Jeroboam? Dan and Bethel. And Bethel. Yeah. So there was this problem with idols. Right, of course. You know, Rachel took the household idols or items, right? And it's the house of Joseph that has a problem with idols. That's right. We're the ones dealing with idolatry. Uh, as a matter of fact, even the Jewish people accuse us as Christians as idolaters because we worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob via the Godhead. Right. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but right. the, the, the three are one. It's called the Godhead. So once again, we can see how this all I'm is sorry. relevant for today. Did you just say Jesus is God and God is Jesus? He is. Oh, okay. Just Jesus make, is God sure and God I heard is that Jesus. Correctly. Uh, uh, I would say Yeshua is Yahweh, Yahweh is Yeshua, that we believe in the Godhead. That's part of our Christianity. Um, once again, uh, El Bethel means the God of, it, of Bethel, or Bethel. And then, of course, we have something else happening here. Deborah. Rebecca's nurse, wow, mm. died, was buried beneath Bethel or Bethel under an oak, and the name of the place was Elon Bachuth, which means the oak of weeping. Wow, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse. How many people have died in this portion? Right, and so remember, this is Jacob's mother's nurse, right? right. So we're, we're talking maybe somebody that may have cared for uh, Jacob when he was little, um, you know, and, and throughout that this is the handmaid. So he, he would have known her almost like a, a motherly figure. And then uh, his sons would have known her almost like a grandmotherly figure. So it's interesting. Wow. That's why she's mentioned. You know, otherwise, a, why would she get in there? Let's go ahead and move into Genesis chapter 35, verses 10 uh, and 11. Well, 10 to 12, if you or don't mind, if you don't mind reading that. So, so check this out. Now, now, there's this family reunion. Then, of course, the, the daughter is raped. A city is wiped out of all the males. He's on the run. He's told to set up. Uh, the fear of God has hit all the cities, and all this is happening to Jacob. Okay, now it says here that, of course, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died. And now we're going to move into God comforting him via the promise. All right, here it goes. It says, And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel, and a company of nations shall be of thee. Yeah. I'm sorry, and God said to him, I am God Almighty, I apologize, Look, Mr. Earth, shall be thy name, and he called his name Israel, and God said unto him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply, a nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins, and the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee I will give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. You know, what really kind of stands out to me is the fact that, hey, your name is Israel now. You are a prevailing prince, co-ruler with God. That's right. You're an ambassador, a representative. Well, and it's a second witness to the name. So so some some unknown figure who wouldn't give his name that he wrestled with on his way over gives him the name first, right? Right. And so now he's left to telling people, oh, no, I swear, he told me my name is Israel, right? Right. Now comes the second witness, God Almighty, El Shaddai, right? Right. Comes and tells him directly. And so here's the second witness for the name being Israel. And he needed to be comforted after all that he had been through. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he doesn't have that. He doesn't. He doesn't have a new chapter yet. He's working on it. You know, and, and kind of. It's interesting too because it says, "And kings shall come out of thy loins." Yeah. You know, and kings shall come out of thy loins. Now we know that the scepter will not depart from Judah, but do you think maybe some kings from the nations would come from his loins? Oh, no doubt. 
I mean, I'm just saying, because there is a monarchy in a lot of different places. Yeah. I mean, if you think about I it. I mean, it, this prophecy will be fulfilled even if it were just Judah. It's right? very interesting. Because there's Absolutely. multiple kings. Plural. So here we have, after God left Jacob, he set up a pillar of stone and poured a drink offering on it along with oil. Uh, Jacob called the place Bethel. Once again, Bethel, Bethel. It's a major place. Genesis chapter 35 Verses 14 and 15. Just a quick reminder that uh, back in, I do believe, 2007, we sent a group of people over to Bethel to ask for forgiveness. Oh, that's right. For the sins of the Northern Kingdom, you know. And they were able to go to a park. It was a free day, and God put it all together. And that's what opened up the doors like a gate to Judea and Samaria. We started to go into those areas of Judea and Samaria and even Bethel. Because if you go back to biblical history, Jeroboam set up those two golden calves. And the three things that he did, the three sins are this, and, and this is what's really happening uh, as we are recanting these. Um, number one, uh, we have anti-Semitism, you know, even in the church. We have replacement theology, which we are against. You know, the Jews are God's chosen people. And, of course, we know that he made promises to the Jewish people that he is keeping and that he has kept, okay? Just remember that, everyone listening. Uh, the church has not replaced the Jewish people. That is replacement theology. So number one is anti-Semitism, breaking away from Judah. What, that's what Jeroboam did. He went up to the north. And that's a form of anti-Semitism, and we're, we're over that. We are restored. We don't believe in anti-Semitism. We come against it. Number two, he changed, of course, the capital from Jerusalem to Bethel. Now, Bethel's a big deal right now in this storyline, is it not? Bethel's all throughout the storyline. But he wanted to, of course, change the capital to Bethel so no one would go to Jerusalem. So why is this relevant, Ryan? Think about it. Because Jerusalem is the capital of the nation. Okay, of Israel. Matter of fact, they believe it's the center of the universe, Yerushalayim. That's where his name is. So why am I telling you this? Because we moved our embassy, the United States of America, moved the embassy to Jerusalem. After all these years, a world leader. Oh, and by the way, uh, the name Donald Trump, Donald means world ruler. Check it out. He moved the embassy to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is a hotbed. It's a city of contention, a city of controversy. Actually, it's a cup of trembling. You know, that's what's going to happen with anyone who interferes with Jerusalem. A cup of trembling, Ryan, the prophecy is it's a cup of poison. Yeah. So any nation that tries to stick their finger in God's eye, the apple of God's eye, or that city is taking poison back to their country. That's right. A cup of trembling is what it is. That's the prophecy, that Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling. So I'm only sharing this with all of you because the last thing that Jeroboam did, of course, we know anti-Semitism, breaking away from Judah. Number two, changing the capital from uh, Jerusalem to Bethel. Lastly, we know that uh, he changed the feast dates. Now, what is that a, a picture of? Well, we used to celebrate the pagan holidays. Yeah. And we don't change the feast dates. We don't celebrate pagan holidays. That's right. So those three things have been fully restored to Beit Tehillah and to the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement. People are awakening to this and knowing this, you know. And so it's just something to think about in, in closing out of the whole Bethel thing. So I, what's interesting, and this is what's cool to me, is that what you didn't realize at the time in 2007. No. And, and this is what I'm going to tell you, which I think you, you already know this, but here's what's cool. So <clears throat> if you think about when the northern kingdom was, was you know, taken captive. 722 B.C. 722 B.C. All right. So that's a long time ago. Uh, and what's what I find interesting is that 
it, in Ezekiel, there's a prophecy in chapter four that talks about how Ezekiel lays on his one side uh, for for uh, Judah. Oh yeah, for seventy years, right? On on his um, other side for three hundred and ninety years for the northern right. kingdom. And then it says, right, that I'll punish you seven times for your sins. Yeah, in Leviticus, I'll, I'll punish you seven times more for your sins. All right, so, so you multiply that. So you multiply that. So you take the three hundred and ninety, multiply by seven, and you get two thousand seven hundred and thirty. Right, and this is years, right? We're talking about because uh, it's naming by the years of the punishment. And from seven twenty-two, if you go forward two thousand seven hundred and thirty years, what year do you come to, Pastor Nick? Do you know? No. Two thousand and eight. Two thousand. That's right. Two thousand and eight. So we're coming to the end of the captivity. That's very right? interesting. Boy, that's bizarre. And you guys go to Bethel, good point out. not that's knowing a, that's, this math. That's a good point. That's and, good. And boom. 2008, the captivity's over. This is the thing, right? Why are we the first generation to get this? So did the captivity end because your heart was in the right place, or was your heart in the right place because the captivity was coming to an end? I think God's preparing us. I think so, too. You know, we're we're, we're no longer in exile. Now, we're in the diaspora. We're scattered. We're not dysfunctional. But God is gathering us. Rebellious. No, God is gathering us. That's a good good, good thing. There you go. For such a time as this, you know, we we were born. And, of course, once again, you know, um, now we're moving on. To of course, um, Jacob's wife Rachel is going to die while giving birth to a son, you know. And so, just before Rachel died, she named her son Benoni, Benoni, son of my sorrow. But, which is in conjunction here, check this out Jacob named him Benjamin, Benjamin, son of the right hand. That's right. She was buried in the way to Ephrath. Which is Bethlehem, Bethlehem. You know, it's interesting as you listen to this podcast. Most of the cities that are in contention, uh, you know, have a air, big Arab population, but the biblical history reflects the Jewish people, Israel. Uh, Bethlehem is a good example. Uh, even um, we have, of course, uh, Bethel's right there, and Shechem is right there. Oh yeah. Actually, Shechem is actually the modern city of what? Nablus. Nablus, which has got. Thousands of Arabs there. And of course, in Shechem, we have Jacob's well. We have uh, Joseph's tomb. Amen. And and so as we develop this this story of Benjamin as the last child to be born among the great matriarchs there, you know, in Bethlehem, she's giving birth. And she, of course, she, you know, and what, what I find interesting is this. Benjamin was the only son born in the land. Right. So, so everybody else was born outside the land, up north in Syria. Right. And the, the, the story is, of course, they're all fully reunited in Egypt, which is outside the land. Right. But, but this son, this last son of Jacob and, and Rachel is very special. He actually gets absorbed, and this tribe gets absorbed into Judah. Right. Now, what's interesting is, of course, we know we have a picture here of Yeshua, son of my sorrow. Right. The first time he came. And he's the son of my right hand. That's right. You know, with an outstretched arm, I saved you. So if you think about the right arm of God or the Godhead or the throne, think the right arm of God is Jesus. That's right. And you know, there's... And he stretched out his arms and he died for us on the cross. And there's so much to go into, like um, in Jeremiah 31, how it talks about Rachel weeping for her children, for they are not... Um, but then he tells her not to weep because um, they're going to come from the land of the enemy. I mean, there's so much that we could get into. We've done it in previous podcasts, so I, and we don't have time for it today because we're right at the 50-minute mark. But um, let me just tell you, wow. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff that, that rolls into this um, with with Benjamin being born in Bethlehem, Rachel dying and being buried in Bethlehem. 
Um, and then, you know, the prophecies that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem in the city of David, um, which is Bethlehem. And then again, uh, rolling later on that Yeshua is ultimately born in Bethlehem. Very, very interesting, everyone. This is what's really, really cool. And of course, one calamity after another, one situation after another. Some of you are wondering, gosh, I got all these problems. Well, have you heard this story? So Reuben, uh, of course, goes to the uh, the woman Bilhah, uh, and of course he lays with her, and Jacob hears about it. Oh. Israel hears about it. He went and laid with her, Bilhah. So he defiled his father's bed, you know. And Not of good. course, if you want to check out uh, Genesis 49, verses 3 and 4, you're going to see an interesting uh, blessing that... Oh, yeah. No, no. this is... I, I would say that this when it is comes Jacob to... Jacob is going to say this in regards to Reuben. Yeah, getting a blessing from your father, is not, this is not one of the things you want to do, right? If you know you have to get a blessing from him. So it says, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. Because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defiledest thou it, he went up to my couch. Wow. So once again, you know, the tribe of Reuben, though, they do have an excellent sandwich. Have you had a Reuben? That's a good ex- Reuben. That's you know, the it's very good. So, so you know, we we just want to put the scriptures together. Right. This ain't about a hierarchy. We're not replacing anybody. But the question is here to discuss. You know, who has the birthright since Reuben lost it? I'm glad you asked. Maybe we got a little bit of time for that. But you know, who has the birthright since Reuben lost it? And let's just look at it biblically. Who has the birthright? This right. ain't about a hierarchy. This ain't about replacing anybody. This is just the facts because we want to trace it. Yeah. And what, what's what's the laws of the Torah? What's going on here? Reuben was the firstborn. It says that he lost it. Yeah. Okay. And so where does it rest, Ryan? Where is it today? Well, and I think that I people mean, that look at folks that are, are looking at the two house teachings and things like that, I think a lot of times they're seeing verses that, you know, you could kind of, oh, I could take that either way or maybe that's metaphorical. But I'm going to give you guys the verses here that talk specifically about who gets the birthright in uh, its first Chronicles chapter five, verses one and two. And it says here, now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but for as much as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. And the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright for Judah prevailed above his brethren and of him came the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's. So we're not going to get into a lot of detail here, but the bottom line is that when Jacob crossed his hands in regards to Joseph's children, Ephraim and Manasseh, he gave the firstborn blessing to Ephraim. That's right. And basically what he said, you can study this for yourself. He basically said, listen, Ephraim has become, he's going to become a lot of different ethnic groups, a multitude of nations. Yep. You know, and then of course, what does Paul say in the fullness uh, of the Gentiles comes in, then all of Israel will be saved. So once again, it's the commonwealth of Israel, Ephesians 2. Romans talks about the grafting in process. So, so this is just something to think about. Now, like I said, if you're interested in, in the things of God in regards to Israel and the holy city of Jerusalem, you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but you're not Jewish, but you love Jewish people, you love Torah, you're getting your Hebrew roots, Chances are you're fine. You're coming out of the nations. There's no other way to explain it. And of course, the, the prophets have already explained this. But let's check out uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 9, Ryan. Jeremiah 31, 9. And it, the caption for this chapter is a happy return. And this is, of course, in Jeremiah. And once again, remember, God said in the beginning, Jeremiah, I have sent you to what? The nations. That's right. 
So yeah, for 50 years, he preached to a captive audience. Those are the captivity and all these other things. But he was actually giving a bigger example. That's right. And so here, 31 verse 9 in Jeremiah says, They shall come with weeping and with supplications will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of water uh, in a straight way, wherein they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. You know, Ryan, as you look at this, chapter 31, it's an incredible chapter. Oh, this is the one that goes into Rachel. It goes into all kinds of stuff. Oh, After man. those days, I'll write Torah in your minds and your hearts. Oh, awesome. Now, here's the thing. That's all well and good. Amen. Yeah. You're going to grow vineyards in Israel. You're going to come along and help the, 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 the Jews with their vineyards like Hayovel's doing. Uh, and I believe that's actually in Jeremiah uh, 31.5. Yep. Now, I'm not going to get into it, but, but Jeremiah chapter 32, Jeremiah buys a field. Yeah, so well, what are you saying? Well, it's about the land. Yeah. Are you drawn to the land? I mean, Ryan's going to the uh, the pruning season with 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 his son and some some men from Beit Tehila. He's going to the pruning season at the end of January. So the land is calling us. Things are happening, oh, you yeah. know. And and like I said, you take that first step, God will take the next one, you know. So just think. About, so Ephraim has the birthright, and nobody wants to talk about this. So let me challenge all of you that are listening. I know there's naysayers. There's going to be critics. But nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to explain it. Yeah. And I've been I've been doing this for over twenty years, you know. And I think it's special. Why? Because it's about your inheritance. You know, it's like anything. Is the land a big deal to you? Do you love falafel? Huh. You know, I like. Do you falafel. like watching Fiddler on the Roof? I mean, these are all little checklists that we should all have. You know, and it is exciting. It is so exciting to express our faith like this. So just just remember that. Just check it out. It's very very important that you check this out. Amen. Remember, we believe that the whole house of Israel is made up of Jews and non-Jews. Yeah. We can't just say it's the Jews. I mean, there's only what? Uh, how many How many Jews in the world? Like 15 million. 15 million? Well, you can kind of count the Jews. Yeah. But what did he say in regards to Abraham's seed? Like sands of the seashore, like the stars of heaven. Yeah. You can't count them. We don't, we don't know how many That's and right. how much it's going to be. So once again, check it out. So Jacob's finally going to arrive to his father, Isaac's house in Mamre, the city of Arba, which is Hebron. That's right. Hebron's a big, big time city there. Wow, the patriarchs and matriarchs are buried there. So he, he arrives to his father's house. Isaac was 180 years old when he died, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Amen. And then that's, of course, chapter 35, verses 28 and 29. So, of course, you know, family always comes comes together for weddings and funerals. Oh, yeah. So Esau and Jacob buried him. That was their next little reunion there. They came together to pay their respects to their father, who was 180 years old. That's outstanding. Last but not least, we don't have time to get into it in great detail, but here's the thing. We have... The generations of Esau, who is Edom, or the Edomites, found in Genesis 36, verses 1 through 43. Once again, this genealogy is important. And of course, we have a question here, Ryan. Who is descended from Esau that gives Israel a hard time? Amalek, the grandson of Esau. Amalek, the grandson of Esau, the Amalekites, amen. Mm -hmm. Genesis chapter 36, verse 12, 1 Samuel 15, 8. And then, of course, Esther 3, 1, we'll be looking at the story of Haman. That's right, Haman. Right. And uh, a descendant of the Amalekites. That guy's a jerk. Yeah. And once again, now Haman was bad news because he wanted annihilation. Right. He didn't want assimilation. So there's a big difference, you know. Yep. Uh, and, and, and by the way, just a little plug here for uh, Pastor Mark Bilt's book, Decoding the Antichrist. Very good book. Highly recommend that you get it. Go on Amazon, buy it. 
get it the same day probably, but an incredible book. And the reason why I recommend it is because it's very well laid out, very good book. But he makes mention of the celebration, of course, of Purim and Hanukkah is not only historical, but prophetic. Yeah. So we're going to be doing a, a Purim musical. My son put together this Purim musical for our for our church, and everybody's participating. It's an incredible musical about the story of Esther, and that will be, of course, in early spring, in March, but we are heading towards Hanukkah. And once again, what is the story of Hanukkah about? Rededication. So what are you dedicated to? Think about it. Rededication. And Antiochus simply wanted people to assimilate and not really stand out and serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And of course, the story of Hanukkah is a very interesting story because he forbid a lot of things. He was not very accommodating. And a lot of people don't know this, but in the story of Hanukkah, Antiochus sided with the secular Jews, those that, you know, had the Greek mindset versus those who wanted to keep the covenant of Moses. He just simply sided with the secular ones. Mm -hmm. And of course, we know that the religious Jews won out, and that was very good uh, in the end. And that was, of course, like 164 B.C. So uh, that's pretty much it. So, you know, at the end here, Ryan, we have a consensus of the group. Uh, What would you say is is a... uh, a lesson that can be learned from Vayishlak and he sent. So the two things that I got out of it were, uh, don't do anything to jeopardize your inheritance. Um, there's uh, good ideas and there's God ideas. I don't think either one of those is going to jeopardize your inheritance. And then there's really dumb ideas. And those ideas can jeopardize your inheritance. So, so don't do those things. Um, the second point that I came up with was that it's okay to wrestle with God if you come out with stronger faith than you have prevailed. I don't think anybody can inter- uh, um, have an encounter with the living God and not come out with uh, you know some dramatic effects, right? Obviously, Jacob uh, walked away with a new name and a limp, and uh, my prayer for everyone is that you get a new name and a limp as well. That's very good, you know, and I would say this, you know, you reap what you sow. So just remember that, you know, if you're gunning for somebody, somebody's gunning for you. I've been so blessed not to really be caught up in any controversy of, of major proportions because I am a very respectful person. I'm kingdom minded and I do respect people's free will yeah. and how people want to express their faith, how they worship God, whether in church, out of church, whatever denomination, even Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, the Baha'i faith. I mean, the Druze, I mean, the, the Muslims, I mean, everyone has a free will, everyone, but God has given us this opportunity to be a light, to be Amen. a light Amen. Uh, to those around us. And so once again, uh, stick to the promises, move towards the promises. You know, uh, the, the favorite verse is that uh, though a righteous man falls seven times, he can still arise. So I would say fail and fall forward. Get back up. Keep on trucking. Uh, I know there's a sorrow in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Wow, man. Vaishlak and he sent. What a Torah portion. Um, exciting stuff coming up. We've got Hanukkah services coming up. If you guys need anything, you have any questions, you uh, uh, want to talk about something, email me, ryan at topraise.net, ryan at topraise.net. You can also call the office, get a message to me. We can get you called back at 813-654-2222. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. God bless you, and have a great week.